Welcome to The Nest Podcast, a place where we have down-to-earth, uplifting conversations about women's health, healing, our inherent feminine wisdom, and the magic that happens when we decide to be the hero of our life and not the victim of it. Here we'll explore a wide range of topics from holistic nutrition, metabolic health, and balancing your hormones, to mind-body medicine and how intuition, spirituality, and consciousness are revolutionizing health and healing. In this episode, I'm joined by my friend Jacqueline Fish. Jack's an author, copywriter, and writing coach. She's also the founder of the Unfussy Writing Community. A space for business owners and creatives who want to sound human while they make an impact in the world and do their creative work. Before launching her writing and coaching business, Jack spent 13 years working in the corporate communications and management consulting area. As a freelance copywriter, she's helped hundreds of clients learn how to communicate more authentically and stand out in a busy online world. She's also bounced around between 20 homes and 20 years. So when it comes to the topics of trust, surrender, and living an unfussy life, Jack has plenty of wisdom to share. So sit back, open your heart and mind, and get ready for a dose of inspiration to motivate you on your healing journey. Let's dive in. Hi, Jack. Hi, Mariska. (laughs) How's it going? So good. I love talking to you. Oh, I love talking to you, and I'm so excited to have you on the show today. For those listening, Jack and I have known each other now for how long, Jack? Three or four years? Like two years. No, yes. really? It's only been two years. I feel yeah. like you've been in my life forever. <laughs> Early 2020. Oh gosh. Yeah. Well, 2020 yeah. ended up feeling like a few years. So perhaps that's why. <laughs> <laughs> yes, perhaps that's why. <laughs> yeah. But Jack and I met doing mastermind, like entrepreneurial, female entrepreneurial mastermind stuff. And that's how we got connected. And then we have stayed friends. And I think like we... I was going to say, I don't think a week goes by that we don't chat. (laughs) We have regular conversations about what it's like to be a working mom, entrepreneur, and all the things, but also intuition is a really pivotal, I would say, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like a huge thing for both of us and what we do in the world and and what we're here to do. So, and Jack has also written a book and I know no one can see this, but I'm literally holding up your book right now. (laughs) You can see it, Jack, but the listeners can't called an unfussy life, an intuitive approach to navigating change. And I, I loved your book. I thought it was fantastic. There were so many things that I didn't know about you until I read the book. I was like, Oh wow, that's cool. (laughs) So to start us off, Jack, I was wondering if you could just tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and like where you a little bit about your life, because I think your transformational journey, even though you're still on it, will give context to our conversation and, you know, our conversation that we're going to have about trust, surrender and living an unfussy life. Yeah, of course. I guess I'll start with where I am today and then back up into it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So today I'm a writer, writing coach, author, and lead a writing community. I love my work today. Like it, it, I I finally reached that point where work doesn't feel like work. Like it's work and I love it. Like I love, I love all of it. And I didn't always feel that way. So backing up, I grew up outside of Toronto. I was a very creative kid. I wanted, actually wanted to grow up and be a rich and famous fashion designer and live in Paris. Yes, (laughs) I am not fashionable. My French is iffy at best. (laughs) and um rich well let's just say we're working on that <laughs> nor do you live in paris no no yet i might someday 
I don't know if I want to live there right now though. I'm good with where I live now. Yeah. I originally wanted to go to fashion school. I talked myself out of it. I think because someone asked me if I could sew and I said, no. And I was like, oh, I shouldn't go to fashion school. Oh, it's hard. I don't know how to get in. I didn't even apply. (laughs) I went to business school. as a lot of people do when they don't know what to do and graduated got a job got more jobs I always attained to climb a corporate ladder Mm. that's what I saw was successful like that's what that was that was the idea of success for me you start at a company and you work your way up that was my understanding and you just keep climbing till you get there. I was really good at that corporate climbing. So a little bit of backfill into getting into a corporate job. Most of my corporate experience was in management consulting, corporate Mm -hmm. communications, writing, writing very fussy jargon filled language for big companies, government, healthcare, telecommunications, really big buttoned up stuff. By this point, I was living in Chicago. So I'll quickly back to you how I got got to Chicago. I was on a family vacation one year in Florida and I met this guy at a bar when I was with my dad. Five months later, we were engaged and nine months after that, we were married. And not (laughs) nine nine months because I was pregnant or anything. It's just awkward too. We didn't have kids till much later. Yeah. So I moved, immigrated to New York, to the U.S., Immigration is a whole, it was a whole ordeal. Yes. And, and that was almost 20 years ago. So I can't imagine what it's like today. And it was not easy then. Anyway, New York took us to Midwest, went to Indianapolis. Then we wanted big city living. So we moved to Chicago. And that's, that's where I was working at the time as a, as a management consultant. I got the inkling that something was off in my work when I returned from my first maternity leave. So this was 2000. Eight. Mm-hmm. And in the US, you don't get a year. You get like, <laughs> I think my company is pretty generous. I had about four months. That's generous. Four yes. months. Yes. Yeah. And I also, like, even being home after having my first kid, I, I didn't, I didn't love being home all the time. Mm. Yes. Yes. Like, love being a mother. It is the most rewarding experience. And I still crave more. I crave work and purpose. Yeah. So going back to work, here I am thinking I'm, you know, living my purpose and I'm sitting in this meeting. I don't even remember what it was about, but it was just, I look around, I'm like, who are these people? What are we (laughs) doing? Like, this doesn't even matter. (laughs) That was the inkling. And I didn't know what to do about it. Like there was no like, okay, I'm going to go make a business. That wasn't even a a thought. Well, they decided for me, I was laid off in 2009. (laughs) So just a few months after coming back from maternity leave, but it was 2009. So everybody, a lot of people were laid off in that time. Yeah. And then we decided to move back near Toronto to be closer to my family. And because at this point we had a one-year-old moved up there, got laid off again, kind of not loving our experience up there. Like, let's go back to Chicago. Went back to Chicago. At this point, how many times have you guys moved? Uh, total times, I think 17 or 18. In total, until like to today. In, yes, today, 18, <laughs> 17, 17 times, I think. 
in 19 years of marriage. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So sorry. But at this point in the story, you've gone back to Chicago. Yes. And at this point, I've, I started diving into the self-help world. I had gone plant-based for some allergies that were affecting my son. Like he was a kid who was always um, mouth breathing, snotty, always had his tonsils infected. And yeah. thanks to a great naturopathic doctor, she's like, naturopathic medicine. I know. Yeah. So this was my first, like, it was so- not me, but someone wasn't you. Was, it was a colleague of mine. <laughs> But because of that, we removed dairy and I had the same thing. I had sinus infections once a month and I thought it was just like normal. I have a stomach ache every time I eat yogurt. It's like, this is okay. We both removed dairy. He still has his tonsils. I haven't had a sinus infection in 15 years. Yes. (laughs) So So that led me down exploring what was in my food. What am Mm -hmm. I eating? Why am I eating dairy? Why am I eating all these things? And I was led to start a blog from that. I didn't know where it was going. I just started writing about, yeah, Yeah. it was a hobby and I was sharing our experience. I was telling our stories uh, and I was creating recipes too, because I was coming up with things that plant-based wasn't something I ever thought about before. So yeah, it was a really big creative outlet. I was, what did plant-based, what was plant-based for you at that time? I'm just curious. Cause I know plant-based means a lot of things to a lot of people. <laughs> so like for some people it's synonymous with vegan for others. It's like, no, like 80% of my diet is plants, but I still have some animal protein. Like you were still eating some animal protein at that point, I think. Right. At first I was eating a little bit. Yeah. And then it's, it was bothering me. Yeah. Like it didn't sit well. So I was like, I'm just going totally plant-based. And I say plant-based cause it wasn't like hardcore vegan. Vegan yeah. I think applies so many things with wearing leather shoes and there's leather in my car and honey honey. and yeah (laughs) I didn't I didn't like that label and I also saw people in the community if you didn't have that label or if you messed up they were really quick some people were really quick to call you out Mm, yeah it's pretty dogmatic and that like that was why even at that time I've been using the term unfussy since then because I took Mm -hmm. an unfussy approach to food and it was like you eat a little bit of meat here or there who cares like and I personally love meat and I'm a hardcore carnivore (laughs) so yeah I love it anyways so sorry you so you started this blog and started started a food blog which is already a departure because you were in the corporate world yeah and had nothing to do with food no and for the most part I felt like I had to hide it Hmm. well a couple reasons I didn't want people thinking that I was working on my blog at work. Mm. I didn't want them to think it was going to jeopardize my job. And then at this point when I moved to Chicago and I was reading about like all this self-help stuff and you could start a business. I was like, people can start a business and do work they love. Like, whoa. (laughs) So I was all up in my head, not taking any action toward creating a business. I was thinking about what kind of business could I I create? And I was all in the plant-based world. So I was looking at that. I'm like, could I write a hummus cookbook <laughs> could I only cookbook? it was legit one of my ideas like only making hummus nothing really stood out eventually I did get going though and I was guest blogging on a lot of sites I was teaching workshops both my own and I would be a guest speaker like I was doing cooking demos I did some private sessions with people showing them how to do plant-based eating 
And my big thing at that time, because I had a corporate job and young kids, by this point, I had my daughter too, so I had two kids, and I worked full-time in corporate, and I was plant-based, and I wasn't going to eat just nuke veggie burgers for dinner every day. Like, I knew that whole foods were important. Like, so you can say plant-based and still be eating crap. You can say you're plant-based and sit around and eat a bunch of garbage, so. (laughs) Yeah. But you were focusing on uh, whole food, like, you know, unprocessed. Yes. Plant-based, yes. And my approach, my unfussy approach at the time, which I, which I didn't quite grasp, or I wasn't maybe articulating it at that time, but it was how to batch cook. It was how to cook for two or three hours on the weekend and be set for the week with the main things like potatoes and rice and dips and just having everything stocked and ready to go. And that's what I taught people. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun. And then when I was back in Chicago, back at that same job that laid me off the first time, I laid it off again. And oh, I wasn't quite the same the, job when you yeah. went back to Chicago. Oh, I didn't realize. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they were a lot of their contracts were government contracts and there was an administration change. So often when that happens, like they just get rid of a bunch of kind of contractors. Mm-hmm. Well, since the time I had left, administration had changed again. And then they hired like my whole team back. <laughs> so it, in the consulting world, that's, that's just kind of how it goes. And you expect it to some extent. Yeah. It's high risk and, and you just, you roll with it. Um, so at this point, three layoffs within five years. And I knew it was coming because I've seen the warning signs before. Like you just know when it's going to happen. And yeah. I wasn't happy either. I wasn't like, I love my work again. It was a paycheck and I was doing other work on the side. My side job wasn't yet earning enough of an income though, that I could have just switched. And like at that point of the third layoff, just been like, okay, I'm just going to do this now. It wasn't quite there. Yeah. And we needed my income to help support the household. So it was not a question. And we were closing on a new house, like two weeks later, oh my gosh. <laughs> it was just like the worst time. Yeah, so worst. I got ended up with another job. It was in consulting but this place is a little bit different where I had a lot more creative freedom mm-hmm. and they were also growing certain areas of the business. And they're like, we need someone to head up communication, internal communications, this whole department of like 500 people. I'm like, Oh, I'd love to do that. Like sign me up. And I enjoyed that. So I quickly became known as the go-to person to help people with their writing. I was working on their like LinkedIn profiles and their bios, writing newsletters. I had fun. So up until this, that. and then I was sorry to interrupt yeah, you. Up until this point, writing had never really been like it hadn't. There wasn't any focus on that. It was just part of a job, but it wasn't like you had done no training in copywriting or anything like that. It was just, you know, it was something that you did as part of your job as a consultant. But there was never a focus on it. Yeah, yeah. Like I never at that time I hadn't thought, oh, I want to be a writer. Hmm. But I realized. At this point, I'd also given up the blog because I stopped being vegan for a while. So mm-hmm. it, it didn't really align. Yeah. <laughs> it shifted a little bit to a lifestyle blog. Yeah. I would talk about like being an unfussy mom, like a working mom. Yeah. And like, how do you do life like that? And I realized it was the writing I enjoyed from the blogging. It was the telling stories. And that's what clicked. I started getting the inkling. Hmm. I could be a writer. I want to write a book. How did, books those I want to write? Come? How did those inklings come for you, Jack? For me, it's a knowing. So it's hard to articulate what it's like. 
like some people say they hear things or see things. Yeah. For me, it's a knowing, which I later confirmed with um, intuitives. They help, they help give me the language to describe it. Yeah. <laughs> Claircognizant. Yeah. You just know. Yeah. Like versus clairsentience or clairaudience. Clairvoyance yeah. is the other one we most we yeah. mostly hear where people see things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I re- but rarely that, mostly a feeling, which is hard to explain. So it's like, even in those moments where I was laid off, yeah, the first one, yeah, I freaked out. <laughs> but the rest, it was <laughs> like, I just had a knowing, like, it's going to be okay. Things will be fine. I didn't know why <laughs> they'd be fine. Yeah. I couldn't justify it with data or anything. So it, it's not easy when you share your knowing with someone, you're like, yeah, I just know that this is it or this is going to work. And people are like, how do you know? Like, just trust me. <laughs> yeah. Which is, which is tricky. I want so, yeah, initially... to come back to that topic of trust in the minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think there's definitely some big nuggets to dig into there. So in, in that inkling of, Hmm, I want to write more. I didn't necessarily know what to do. I was like, become a copywriter, writer. I read tons of books on writing. Mm-hmm. And at one point I realized I'm reading about writing and I'm not writing. <laughs> this is not how we do things. Yeah. So I think the very, I mean, I was writing, I was writing a blog, but I didn't consider that big writing. Mm-hmm. When I was in that last corporate career, also by this point, I had put my foot in the ground and said, I am not getting laid off again. Next mm. time I leave a company, it's going to be my decision. And it was. I wanted to do more of that writing work. And the company I was working for said, great, go ahead and sell it to our clients. I was like, wait, you want me to sell it for you so you can build me out at a, like, <laughs> a consultant rate? And then I get paid a fraction of that? It's like, no, I'm, I'm just going to do it myself. That was, that was my inside voice. Yeah. So I did that. I grew it on the side for about a year and a half till I left. I reached out to my network. Yeah. I reached out to my network and said, Hey, I'm starting a writing business. I'd love to help you. I offered like a handful of people, some free work, like three hours or so. And in exchange for a testimonial and that turned into client work and I got some freelance jobs and then it grew from there. So five years full-time at this point, no money ever spent on ads, networking relationships, referrals. 100%. Wait, five five years full time just writing? Yes. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. And it's and more than like so that's evolved still. So day one, I was doing copywriting for people. So yeah. writing for people's businesses. That evolved into leading a writing community, coaching, teaching people to do their own writing, and creating courses and writing my own books. Yeah. Yeah. Which is where you are now. Yeah. And so, but can we go back to when you decided to make that leap when you left kind of, I guess you could almost call it like the security of like a nine to five, the corporate world, when you decided like you have a chapter in your book called going all in on me. And this is when you decided that you were done with the corporate world and you were going to just, you know, be self-sufficient and and focus on your own entrepreneurial endeavors. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And a, because being an entrepreneur who, you know, I'm self-employed, I understand that it's so much freedom, but at the same time, it's terrifying. 
<laughs> because you don't have this, you don't have this structure to kind of lean back on. Right. Yeah. Um, and so what was that like? And to, to make that leap and the trust that that required. Yeah. Whew. It was actually to go back to something you mentioned, you're like leaving the security of a job. Well, I quit, I learned through three layoffs that there's no such thing as job security. Hmm. It, it's a myth. So having a job is putting your future in someone else's hands. Do you think that's why that partly happened to you? Cause I was like, you know, like when we look at our life, when we look back on our life, it's always like 2020 vision when right. we're in it, when we're, when I'm sure when you were going through those layoffs, you weren't like, this is happening. So I will become more self-reliant and trust myself in the universe. <laughs> like, it's, it's much more like what the fuck is happening and how am I yes. going to pay my mortgage? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, layoff one. Absolutely. Yeah. Layoff three. Um, we live downtown. I, I, I remember like skipping home. I felt freedom because I was mm. free from that job and I bought a nice bottle of wine and good bar of dark chocolate. <laughs> like I was also, I was celebrating in yeah. effect. Um, Thank you for also, firing me. <laughs> yeah. So you can imagine the look on these managers faces when I walk into a room also because just all the signs were there. Like they set a meeting for 2 10 PM on a Tuesday, like <laughs> with someone you never meet in a conference room. And as yeah. soon as you walk in, you know what's happening. So I walk in, I'm like, I know what's happening. Just tell me when I get my severance. <laughs> yeah. They didn't know what to do with me. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is fun. yes thank you yeah yeah <laughs> but still terrifying like oh yeah. shit we, we we were closing on a new house yeah they hadn't done, so there was logistics there they hadn't done my employment verification oh wow <laughs> it was a mess we, but we figured it out it was fine so yeah the the and then quitting because I had never the only other time I quit a job was like I don't know when I was 16 quitting retail. And the second time I quit in Canada was when I left to immigrate. So I was leaving for like reasons, like I'm leaving yeah. the country. Now I was leaving from my own choice. You're leaving because like, you're unhappy. Yeah. Which was like, it was yeah. strange. And I remember feeling really nervous, like having a hard time approaching that conversation with my manager. I, I don't remember if I told him in advance, like an email, and then we had a call or if we just had a call, but I remember as soon as the call was done, I felt so much relief and I instinctively started laughing. <laughs> it was so weird. What did he do when he started laughing? Oh, this, no, this was done after I hung up the phone. Oh, okay. I didn't laugh on the phone. It was, I don't know, some kind of, uh, I don't know, like relief. after trauma, you shake or you yeah. laugh. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> laughing okay. is what? It's a release. But so just, can we talk about this in general? Because I think there's so many people, well, not, I think, I know there are so many people who are, you know, start off their working life with great aspirations. And I think many of us have been fed kind of this lie <laughs> of like, you know, you go to school, you do X, Y, Z, then you'll get a job and then you'll work your way up and then it'll all just go wonderful. Right. <laughs> and that's not how it goes for many of us. Um, and like you said, you know, you had this, 
these aspirations and this idea of what it was like to live in the corporate world and climb that ladder. And you soon realized that that was actually wasn't truth. And that wasn't, that wasn't your truth. It wasn't what you were living, not your experience for some people, for sure. That's like, you know, their life. But for many, I feel like so many people, especially in the corporate world are disenchanted because it's soul sucking. (laughs) Now there, that said, there's probably people listening to this who have a corporate job and love their job. And that's amazing. However, my experience as a practitioner and as a friend and, you know, from many people who live in the corporate world, that does not seem to be the norm. That does not seem to be their experience. So I just want to honor both sides, I guess. But specifically, I want to chat about this idea of staying in a job that you hate and like what that does (laughs) to your soul and to your life force, like to your energy. Because you said that you felt that at different times. Yeah. Not yeah, maybe necessarily hated, but that you were, you could definitely feel like this is not like, what am I doing this for? Like sitting around looking at people in the conference room and being like, what is the point of this? Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of it came down to knowing that I could do so much more. It was mm. like a stuck feeling. It's like, yeah. I'm meant, I'm meant to be somewhere else. I don't know where. And, and I think that's where I initially got stuck because I was trying to think my way there, which we all know we can't do overthinking. Yeah. It's <laughs> nowhere. I had to take that first action of starting a food blog. The food blog led to the inkling that I liked writing the writing, like all those clues that were being shown to me in my corporate career. And then I, I set out to write a mini book that I published in 2015. And that was also a big statement. Like I can do this. Mm. Yeah. And doing that helped make the process for doing the next one easier. I mean, writing a book is still challenging, but it felt easier because I, I created the container for it to happen. So I knew well, you'd already taken these like little baby steps. So then you could take a bigger step. And then at some point you could take a big leap. Yeah. So it was like, you know, with every little step of faith, you could take a bigger leap of faith the next time. Yeah. Because you your trust grew and both yourself and the divine. Is that exactly. right? Yeah. And then you can take, this, this is interesting. Cause this is a theme I started to explore in the book too. Change happens to us, whether we want it to or not mm-hmm. layoffs, all that stuff going on. And then we choose change, like moving. However many times I think I'm on my fifth state, two countries so a lot of, because I've done that so many times, it's mm-hmm. not as big of a change to me. Or I'm like, oh, we're moving to a new state. Okay, we've done this. Even though it's a new state and there's all the new things, your, your body knows what to do. You mm-hmm. know what things or what steps need to happen. And once you take, it, it, it's like a, a stacking. Moving to a new state well, crap, may as well like get a new car, start a new job because you're already doing these big things. You get used to creating big change. So it doesn't have to be wild and drastic, but it becomes, becomes more easy, easier to more easier, (laughs) easier to, to take those actions. And it's, it's usually just like one action that's in front of you. And also there's a, there's a dance between trusting trusting your knowing and surrender and choosing. So 
do I surrender and take every little inkling that's like dropped into my awareness? Or how many things do you choose? Yeah, this conversation could get really complicated if we keep going down that road. Yeah, no, I definitely want to chat more about that. First, I want to just, you know, there's so many things that you've said that just remind me, I mean, you know, I'm a big fan of Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey and like that template and it what it represents. And I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it on another podcast, but for those who don't know what I'm talking about, I'll just explain it quickly. So, you know, Joseph Campbell studied myths and he, you know, through his, through his studies and looking at so many stories, uh, like ancient myths and um, from different cultures. And he like, basically he studied story and what he discovered in, in that, like in that work of studying so many stories is that there's really only ever just one story. And that's this, what he called the hero's journey. And it's a story of transformation and we all go through it. It's literally what makes us human. This idea of like growth and becoming wiser and facing our dragons and like all of these things. And it's a template that's used, like writers use it in Hollywood movies and, you know, people use it for basically to write stories, right? Like, and you'll see this framework in all of our favorite blockbusters, like Mm -hmm. Harry Potter, Star Wars, like they use this framework. And so as you were telling your story, I just kept seeing you like on the little, on the little wheel of the hero's <laughs> journey. And it's like, the hero is called to, to the adventure, <laughs> AKA they get fired, they get laid off, or, you know, maybe someone loses, you know, you lose a loved one, or maybe you lose your home or, or maybe you're sick, like you get a diagnosis. Like there's so many different calls to adventure that we get. Mm -hmm. And then we choose whether or not we accept that call. Right. And sometimes the call comes as a whisper. Other times it comes as like a a scream, (laughs) right? Like it can be like, God, I heard this quote the other day and I thought it was so good. It's like, at first God will throw a pebble and then God will throw a brick. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, like, I think getting laid off three times is a brick. Yeah, that's a brick. Right. <laughs> but you then you 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 said yes to the adventure and you go. So you leave, you leave the hero goes from the known world into the unknown. And that's when they set off on this adventure. Like I think of Frodo setting off with Sam and his like, you know, buddies <laughs> and uh or you know, Harry Potter going off to Hogwarts. Like you go off and and you go off on this adventure and there's so much anticipation and, and fear and like all of these things, but you have your helpers and your mentors that come alongside you. And at some point we all enter the abyss, which is, you know, that point in the movie where the hero or the heroine has to really show their strength and they have to come up against the, their own fears, AKA their dragons and slay the dragons. You know, they have to, uh, beat Voldemort or they have to, you know, fight whatever to get to the ring, um, or destroy the Death Star, like whatever it may be. But we're there and we're duking it out. And it's not fun and it's so disorienting. But on the other side of that is when we become the Phoenix, right? It's on the other side of that, that we have this wisdom that we gain. It's like the gift from the abyss. And that's when we're transformed. Um, you know, when we've slayed the dragons or we've conquered our fears or we've made that leap we've left the job 
Um, and we've been okay. Like the family's okay. And mm-hmm. you've been able to pay your mortgage. And in fact, you're happier. You have this sense of freedom and, oh my gosh, like you're, you're more in alignment with who you really are. And then, and then we rise, right? Like from the ashes we're the Phoenix rising from the ashes. And we have this wisdom that we've gained. And then we go back, we leave the unknown and we go back to the known with this new gift of wisdom. And we are never, we're never the same or transformed by that experience. And so when that's the, in a nutshell, the hero's journey. And so when I think of you and your story, I just keep thinking of like where you were (laughs) on the journey in these different parts. And I just think of, you know, one of the things with the hero's journey is, um, you know, what leads us, what leads us along the journey, because it's, it can be very disorienting at time. And I know at times, and I know in the nest, I talk about like our three, um, our three tools to navigate this journey. You know, you have, your, what do you use when you're orienteering mm-hmm. when you're out, like, you know, exploring the wild before we had Google maps, what did, what did we use? <laughs> we used a map, we used a compass and we used like the North star or something, right. We used, uh, um, celestial bodies. So I like to think of it as like, you know, our compass is our intuition and our map is our bliss. And then um, our North Star is the vision that we have. It's like the the deep longing of, of our soul. What is it that we really want to accomplish? And I just, it's interesting when you were talking about this, I was like, just checking off all three. It's like your intuition that you, how do you describe it again? What do you call it? Claircognizant. Yes, but you called something else, like the little, um, not the niggle, but. Oh, like a knowing. Yeah, just your knowing. Or a nudge. The nudge, um, the little nudges. And we all have them constantly trying to bring us. It's like our soul just like nudging us and bringing us like into alignment because we all have this potential. We all have a purpose. We're all here to do things and um, that only we can do. And so when you were talking about like, not feeling fulfilled in your corporate job and realizing that, but then finding that fulfillment, um, you know, beginning to feel that with the blog and then, and then writing and then breaking away from the corporate structure and then doing that writing full time. It was like this gentle way that your soul was like nudging you away (laughs) from what was very much out of alignment to be like, no, 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 we're going to go over here. And that required so much faith. It required so much trust and yeah. it required a lot of surrender. Can you speak to that a little bit more? Ooh. Like those moments, I'm sure you had some moments where you were like, what am I doing? <laughs> this is a disaster. Like in those moments, what did you fall back on? Like the faith that you had, what was it that made you trust? Yeah. It's a little tricky to describe. I'll do my best. It's, it's that knowing. So even, even week one, when I was full-time in my business, I had learned some things really quickly. So I'd assumed because I had worked 40 hour weeks that I could just shift gears and work 40 hours at home writing for people. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. can't, (laughs) that's a lot of creative energy. So I quickly learned a lot about how much I need to protect myself, which is something that doesn't necessarily, or it it might be happening now, but then it wasn't protecting someone's creative energy. Wasn't a thing 
in the corporate world. Like mm-hmm. you have open office seating <laughs> and yeah. noise and uh, the idea makes me freak out. But even like week one, I had two clients that quit. So really? yeah. And it, it was no, it was no, for no big reason. Like they were just kind of shifted gears or they were doing less. It yeah. wasn't like a performance kind of thing. It was going in a different direction. So it's like, oh, like I was banking on this, these two projects and now they're gone. So I was either going to freak out or take action and trust. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't, I think I didn't freak out because I knew it was going to be okay. I knew something would work itself out. I had proven that I could get clients before. So I sure I could do it again. So I don't remember specifically what I did. I probably put myself out there a little bit more, took action with getting visible, did some networking, reached out to my network, things like that. And it was fine. So this, there's a a dance between trusting and surrendering that sometimes when you hear it, and I, I see some people take this, maybe almost literally, like trusting and surrendering means you sit back and do nothing and let the universe provide. Hmm. And things are just going to show up on your doorstep. Like my book was not going to show up mm-hmm. on my doorstep without me taking massive action for three years to get it done. My business was not going to create itself. My website wasn't going to do it. This conversation, you creating a podcast doesn't happen with surrender. Like someone was yeah. just going to say, hi, I'll create it for you. Yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't happen. It's us taking action. So here's the way I see it. We get a nudge, a knowing, a voice, something that's like, or someone shows us. So I often think the divine speaks to us through other people Mm -hmm. as well. Someone asks you to do something. I'm like, huh, I never thought about that. Yes. Okay. Let's explore this. And for me, it's like a, it's a kinesthetic that happens in my body. Like, okay, yes, like we're doing this. And when there's something there that feels exciting and expansive, maybe a little bit scary. So like in nowhere in there was I ever like, yeah, not scared. Yeah, (laughs) it's scary. Do it, just do it anyway, even though it's uncomfortable and you get through it and then you see the next action and the next one. Mm -hmm. So it's, Trusting what you're being shown, being quiet enough to hear it, first of all. So Mm -hmm. there's also, you can swing too far on the other end in the action taking. You're doing so much that you're not stopping to listen and check in with yourself. Like, is this actually right? Should Mm -hmm. I actually be doing this work? Is this really aligned? Or am I supposed to shift gears and pivot and go over there? And you can only figure that out if you're, you're quiet enough to listen. So that's a uh, balancing the right amount of action with, with listening. Yeah, no, I agree with you so much. There's, I want to backtrack a little bit because I think both, um, both of those perspectives are really important to speak on. So I, I feel like for so much, of the first half of my life thus far, um, especially in my twenties, I really struggled with the concept of surrender. I'm a really driven person. I know you are too. And so this idea of like surrender to me 
I used to get so angry and frustrated because I, uh, you know, I thought it meant apathy. I thought it meant like just not doing anything. And I'm like, well, how am I not supposed to do anything? And, you know, this comes down to like the idea of control and and wanting to control. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think part of the fear of surrendering for me was always why I don't want to let go of control because I don't know what will happen if I let go. And also what the fuck am I supposed to do if I don't do anything, like just sit here and (laughs) do nothing. And so it was always like, well, I don't understand. And who am I surrendering to? Do I even trust this divine force? Um, you know, cause there were moments where I, I definitely didn't. So I was like, I don't know who, who am I? Because the, the God that I kind of grew up with was a punishing God and mm-hmm. was always, you know, I'm like, I don't know if I can trust you. What do you want from me? Like, are you going to hurt me? Like, you know, versus what I've come to understand is, you know, like my version of, of God or the universe, the divine is, is love and the deep desires that I have within my heart are, were actually put there for a reason because that's the blueprint for my soul. And that's what I'm here to do. And so when I, it took for me, I can't surrender unless I trust. So I had to really work out what am I surrendering to? And do I trust that force? So, yeah, there's this quote by Albert Einstein and it's, you know, the most important question a person can ask themselves is whether the universe is a friendly place. Mm. So is the universe benevolent and kind or is it punishing and full of wrath? Like I just watched this movie last night with Odin, my little guy, um, called Luck, I think it's called. I don't know, but it's all about this um, young girl. She was an orphan and it was time for her to leave the orphanage. And she, you know, she was 18 and had quote unquote graduated from the orphanage and was out on her own. And she had always thought of herself as a really unlucky person. And so it goes into this idea of luck and, you know, there seems to be people who are always so unlucky and there are people who always seem to have so much luck. And it just kind of goes into, you know, of course, the way that I don't want to, well, not that I'm going to spoil it for everybody. It's a cartoon, (laughs) (laughs) but basically it comes down, the movie comes down to this point, you know, this moment where they have a choice. They could just make everybody always have luck Mm -hmm. versus, uh, you know, bringing bad luck back into the equation and how, you know, she makes the decision, well, actually, no, like we need quote unquote bad luck. There needs to be this balance. And so I think it was interesting because it basically brings up this concept of, you know, it's the same thing as the movie um, Inside Out, where it's like, you can't just have joy all the time. You need some right. sadness. Like there needs to be this balance. However, I think often people will get this mindset, like the world is always out to get them. Mm. And so going back to that quote with Albert Einstein, it's like, it is a really important question to ask yourself is, is the world a friendly place? Do you believe it to be benevolent and kind? What's your perception? Do you believe that you're always unlucky? Do you believe that, you know, like, what is your perception of the world? And it goes into, I think it's really important to think about mindset and, and if, we have the mindset that the world is out to get us or, you know, it's a, a really unsafe place, then we're going to have a really hard time surrendering 
And therefore we're not going to be trusting. Yeah. And if we're not trusting, then, then what happens? Well, we stay small and we stay in the job that we don't like that's robbing us of our joy. And we're too afraid to follow those nudges of our intuition. That's actually trying to take us on a journey to greater fulfillment and, and, um, you know, greater experience in our lives. And so it's almost like our souls, I feel like are constantly nudging and asking us to move into alignment, to follow this blueprint. I call it entelechy, like this soul blueprint that we all have to be, you know, to fulfill our greatest potential and to be who we came here to be. And so these themes of trust and surrender are huge. And how many people are afraid to take the risk, are afraid to take, you know, that leap of faith. And I don't blame them because it's really hard. (laughs) It's really, you know, you have to conquer a lot of fear in order to do that. Yeah. I think the other way to look at it, and sometimes I'll ask this question too, is like, how would I feel if I don't do this? Like, would I be okay with that? Like, would I, would I be okay with not starting a business? Would I be okay with not finishing the book, publishing the blog, quitting mm-hmm. the job? And, and if you are, then perhaps it's out of alignment, but that can be a barometer to tell you. Yeah. Like, yep. Yeah. We you, brought up, you brought this concept in your book about dying empty. Can you explain that? Because I think like it goes along with what we're saying right now and this idea of like wanting to die empty. And I'm sure, you know, if no one, if, if those listening have never heard of that, they're like, what the heck are you talking about? That sounds like <laughs> I, did, I did not invent that phrase. It was Todd Henry's book called Die Empty. And in my self-development reading phase, <laughs> one of the yeah. books I read was called Die Empty. And there's a quote in there, perhaps we can grab this one later, but it was like the most valuable real estate is actually in the graveyard because that's yes. where all the I unpublished in your book, just that's second. where all the unpublished books and ideas and dreams went. So that was all around that time. I, I discovered that book was also a nudge to like, am I going to, which, which doesn't, it might sound I don't know, a little shocking at first when you say it, like, am I going to die with all these ideas and businesses and books in me? Like, no. Yeah, you don't want to die full. You don't want to die full of potential that wasn't, you know, expressed. Yeah, yeah, get it out. It's not meant to live inside of us. I found that quote. So I'm reading, this is from your book, where you say, walking past the graveyard, I felt a pang of curiosity as I recalled a quote from Die Empty by Todd Henry. And this is the quote, the most valuable land in the world is the graveyard. In the graveyard are buried all of the unwritten novels, never launched businesses, unreconciled relationships, and all of the other things that people thought I'll get around to it tomorrow. One day, however, their tomorrows ran out. Yeah. Dying empty doesn't mean literally emptying yourself every single day. Uh, It's about getting your best work out of you, living in a way that you feel good about and slipping under the covers with a healthy, uh, sorry, a happy (laughs) shit eating grin every single day. (laughs) Yeah. But that's, I really, I think that's such an important concept, right? Like we all, because we all have all these dreams. And again, I go back to this idea of we all have dreams and aspirations. And I do think though, there's a difference between goals and aspirations that come 
that are authentically aligned with our soul and like our purpose and what we're here to do versus goals and aspirations that are needed to satisfy the needs of the ego. Yeah. The wonderful thing is when those align, that's what um, Gary Zukoff calls authentic empowerment when, Mm. you know, when those are actually in alignment and when they're one and the same versus, you know, the ego may really want like a lot of money and power and the soul is like, I don't care about that. (laughs) I actually just want to live a life of freedom and experience X, Y, Z. Um, so I think that's part of the discernment that first has to happen. Like we have to do a lot of introspection and, and go inward and, and say like, is this authentically aligned or is this coming from a motivation of like needing to be loved or needing to be safe, needing to be like to belong or to be seen. Um, so that's like the first question to ask, but if it's, you know, I've worked with so many people where it's like, their desire or what the motivation that they have or the thing that they want to do there's just no question like it's like I have to do this or I'll die yeah (laughs) like that's that's not necessarily like an ego thing yeah ego's not wrapped up in there you can tell it's more just like this is my purpose and I have to do this yeah and like I mean I think there's nothing more inspiring when you see someone living the life that they were built for that to me, I find really inspiring. Like there's several people in my life that I see who are living the life that they were intended to, like they're doing what they came here to do. And I find that really inspiring. But again, it goes back to like what you're talking about earlier, a being able to listen to those nudges, recognize them, but creating the space and having that balance of action and, and rest like the listening and taking action. Uh-huh. And so surrender then is not this inaction sitting on your hands and doing nothing and expecting the divine to just do it all for you. That's not how it works. My dad used to always say to me growing up, um, God helps those who help themselves. And, you know, there's different ways to interpret that, but the way that I interpret it is basically like when you take a leap of faith, then Providence steps in. Mm-hmm. that's how I like to see it, it meaning yeah. you you go first you take the leap and then you're it's like you know the hands of the divine come in and they catch you and then they open a door where there was once a wall yeah. I think if it's an aligned action that happens yes. and I think when it's not aligned that's where you might be bumping into roadblocks which doesn't mean yeah. that there's never going to be barriers but there's a sense of ease when things start to work out, like you take that aligned action, then the universe delivers something else. Oh, okay. And you wouldn't have seen that there before if you didn't take that first trusted step. Yeah. And aligned action doesn't always mean, like you said, that it's perfect. Something you get fired from your job and it's really painful. And that could still very much be in alignment for what you need to happen. Yeah. There's no perfect action either. Yeah. I, I think about it from the writing world where people think that their book needs to be perfect and every mm. word needs to be perfect. And there's no such thing. Yeah. No, you have to let go of the perfection. So how does this play into what it means to be like to live an unfussy life, Jack? What does it mean to live an unfussy life then? I think an unfussy life is living in a state of trust and surrender 
and doing things that make you happy. Sometimes to, to clarify what an unfussy life looks at looks like, I like to paint the picture of the opposite. So what's fussy? So you can think of a, some people might call a baby fussy. Like that mm-hmm. baby is fussy, never satisfied. Or you think of like, I don't know, Karen. <laughs> Sorry, Karens who are listening. <laughs> Someone who's always- I have a wonderful sister-in-law named Karen. <laughs> <laughs> can I speak to the manager? I'm not happy about my latte. Yeah. Like nothing's ever perfect. You're always complaining. It's kind of like the never enough. Like it's never uh, enough living right like this is never enough it's never good enough I'll never have enough that's like a fussy yes and from a lack perspective so Mm. it's a mindset yeah it's a mindset so having things and being satisfied like satisfied that I published a book and I'm still gonna write more like it's not Mm. like I'm done I'm not gonna do anymore it's still that sense of I can do more I'm going to do more it's like that fussy complainer trying to control, which I think is really ego. It's all ego. because mm. Yeah, because it's all rooted in fear. Yes, which soothes the inner children. So it's, I think it goes so much big, bigger than that. When you drop into the unfussy version of living, ego's gone. Yeah. So a fussy life is probably ego-filled. Appeasing inner children. Yeah they're appeasing their fear using the ego yeah unfussy is there can't be ego in there and i mean getting rid of the ego is no easy task (laughs) it's not like you're just gonna wake up tomorrow and it's be gone but i think this is also something you were talking about it's not the words used to describe it but doing the inner work constantly Mm -hmm. doing the inner work makes discerning what to trust easier And then over time, you just know what you can trust right away. You don't need to ask 30 people if it's the right decision. Because then are you validation seeking? Do you trust yourself? I think that's a really important point. Just for a second, I want to touch in on that. I'm actually like planning to do a whole podcast episode about this, about the idea of like trusting ourselves, because that's especially right now in this day and age, I think discernment is so important. And this idea of like when you go to make a decision, like remember that game show, like millionaire who wants to be a millionaire was like, you yeah. know, can you, you want to, do you want to call a friend sort of situation? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, you know, there are definitely moments where we want to call a friend and we want to ask for a second opinion or, but how often are we not trusting ourselves and looking outside of ourselves for the answer yeah. and looking to everybody else and not trusting our intuition, not trusting, you know, the wisdom within. Yeah. Um, And I try now, whenever I go to make a decision to just like go inward first. And if I need to outsource, meaning like go outside of myself and discuss it with someone, um, I will for certain, but because that's like, you know, living in community and having friends and family. But I think there's a big difference between doing that and then bringing that back and still making the decision on your own and trusting your gut instincts yeah. Yeah. versus what do you think I should do? Do you think I should buy this house? Do you think I should dump this guy? Do you think I like, what do you think I should do? Yeah. That's, that's a very different way of living. Um, yeah. I think there's a difference between outsourcing your opinion and like getting confirmation. Yes. Like this is where I'm heading. What do you think? <laughs> 
Well, because we're, I like to think of life as a game of spiritual bumper cars, you know, like we, we bump up against each other and it's like, you know, we mirror back. And so if I'm having discussion and I'm discussing, you know, like I have this big life decision or, you know, I want to do this next thing with my business. What do you think about this? And then you'll mirror back. And that I like to think of it as then whatever you mirror back will help me know more. It'll help me make, it'll be clearer for me. Right. Because maybe you'll offer an opinion and I'll be able to feel in my body what that feels like when I hear it mirrored back. Is that a yes or is that a no? So it's almost like asking clarifying questions and and discussing it externally with people will really help you to gain clarity. Yeah. But overall, I think we've gotten into the habit in general, especially as women and nothing against us women because we're amazing. But I think this really comes down to power and And ultimately, I think a lot of us have been disempowered and have been taught not to trust ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So ask everyone else's opinion, which also brings in, if you're not skilled at discerning what's right for you, you're still going to get a bunch of opinions. Can you look at where their opinion is coming from? Mm. What filter out? (laughs) Yeah. Are they doing the inner work? Are they doing their inner healing? Like what perspective are they giving you? Are they giving you a a scared inner child version of an answer? Yes. (laughs) And so it's like advice that's rooted in fear. Yeah. Yeah. So like ego talking to ego. Yeah. Yeah. I I see people fall into that trap um, a lot. So to summarize then, living an unfussy life is living a life of of trust, like trusting the divine, taking aligned action and surrendering. And surrendering doesn't mean that you don't do anything. It means that you move ahead in faith. Mm -hmm. Trust that providence will be there. Yeah. And yeah, so it's it's really about mindset and, and faith and all those good things. So as you made all of these moves, (laughs) moved 17 times in 19 years and went from a few different corporate jobs to then leaving it all, leaving the corporate world behind you to then now be self-employed as an entrepreneur doing something that you love, what would you say to your younger self way back? (laughs) What would you say to that? I don't know how old you would have been like the first time that you get laid off. What would you say to her? I'd probably tell her to get off the couch and start doing something. <laughs> I'd tell her to get quiet, stop doing so much. Yeah. So it's very much in that role of doing a lot in a very male dominated world. To so do less, do what matters. <laughs> yeah. Do more of what matters. Do more of what matters, less of what doesn't. Be yes. quiet. Yeah. Listen to yourself. And just freaking try something. <laughs> Just yeah. take a risk, which is also something that I have to be aware of as I, even as I go forward in my business, if things start to feel comfortable or like the same, it's like, okay, where am I not taking risks? Because if I'm not taking risks, I'm not growing. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to keep doing the same things over and over. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in, in business language, that would just mean that I recreated a job for myself. Well, that's not, that wasn't my intention. So where can I take risks and am I taking enough of them? 
in the comfort zone, growth can't happen in the comfort zone. Growth can only happen if you are outside of your comfort zone. Like growth doesn't keep happening if you're plugging along, comfortable in your cubicle. Yes. (laughs) Doing stuff that's you're you're not challenged or enjoying. Like growth can't happen there. I mean, it might happen at two percent. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah, we're here to grow and our soul craves that. It craves expansion. It craves growth. And so yeah, it's having the courage and trusting to then listen to that little nudge that's saying, let's do this. Let's take this risk. Wouldn't it be cool if? Yeah. 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 And that's what it means to live an unfussy life. Sure does. So Jack, I have your book in my hand. So if people want to find you, I'm going to put links to your website and your Instagram below. But um, you have a course coming up. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that for those who may be interested? Yeah. So I have two courses coming up. One is for doing the copywriting on your website. Mm-hmm. And the next one is authentic visibility. So once your website is up, or even if it's almost there, if you are afraid to put yourself out there, afraid to hit publish on your blog or your work or any of that, that is what that is for. We will get you uncomfortable <laughs> it's everything we were just talking about yeah, it's not comfortable it's not at all comf- it's not going to be easy it will yeah. be fun it will push you and you will do it I can speak well I I've worked with you several times now but I took the authentic visibility course with you and I loved it and uh a I loved it for a few different reasons one um being a solo entrepreneur it was nice to be in a community uh as I was because I took some time off from everything. It was nice to come back. And cre- as I was creating stuff for this podcast, as I was getting my blog going again, as I was getting ready to go back onto social media, it was nice to kind of just be held by this community of women as um, like within your authentic visibility group uh, as I did that. And it was really nice. And it was also for those listening, Jack has an incredible way of making writing unfussy like it's it really is like it's true what you say it can be really unfussy and easy and I have found that I you know through years of academic writing I would just have this uh I was conditioned to write a certain way and almost like edited out my creative voice and any sort of fun to be quite dry like when you write enough like (laughs) scientific papers yeah um, (laughs) Or things within school, like it's just so dry. And so to kind of come back to what it's, to the fun and the creativity within my writing, like you really helped me with that. So there's just like a little, there's a little plug for you, Jack, for anyone who's interested. She's really, really wonderful and knows what she's doing. So yeah, so you have those two courses coming up. So I will, uh, yeah, I'll put the info below so that people can find you if they want to check you out and work with you. Amazing. Thank you so much, Jack, for coming on and, and, chatting about all of this they're not easy subjects this idea of like trust and surrender and and living an unfussy life but I really feel like if we want to be in alignment and we want to be here to discover our purpose it's 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 that's the process yeah 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 but thank you thanks for listening to the nest podcast 
please be sure to follow me on Instagram at drmariskataylornd, as well as visit my website at drmariskataylor.com. And if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. See you again next time.